Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. Casting stones at everybody in the courthouse, but I submit to you today that the judge of you and the judge of me is none other than Jesus Christ. Today it's time that we stop casting stones at each other and we start acknowledging that God is the judge and we will all stand before him. Today I want to label uh, my thoughts with a key statement that's found in the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27. It says this, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. You see, as much as, as you or I think we are great polished people, we are not going to stand before everybody who's ever lived and cast judgment upon them. That is God's duty and that is God's job. And with that in mind, I want to remind you that this letter that Paul's writing is the second letter that he writes to the church at Thessalonica. And it's a letter of practical, excuse me, it's a letter of personal commendation. It's a letter of doctrinal correction, and it's a letter of, of practical instruction. And we find chapter 1 is all about the personal commendation that the Apostle Paul is relaying to them. He is commending them for their great faith and how they endured trials. And as we get to verses 5 through 7, he transitions to emphasize how God is our judge. And we will all stand before him. Today, I want to share with you three thoughts about how God is our judge from these verses. In verses 5 through 6, I wrote down this thought. God is our judge who brings recompense. As I read verses 7 through 9, I wrote down secondly. God is our judge who brings vengeance. In verse number 10, I wrote down thirdly. God is our judge who deserves reverence. Today the message is very simple. The, today the message is very plain. God is simply our judge. You are not my judge and I am not your judge. I know some days you might want to be my judge and some days God knows it, I want to be your judge. But that's not the truth. God is our judge and we are the ones that will stand before Him and give an account for everything that we've ever done. Before we move into this passage, you need to understand that there, when we die, believers will go and stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, where we will give an account for the works we've done as a Christian. Not for the sins we've committed, but we will be rewarded according to what we did for Christ in our life after we came to know Christ as Savior. And then there's a second judgment. That is the great white throne judgment where all the non-believers will stand before God and He will say, depart from me and do everlasting fire. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But with all that in mind, I want to draw your attention to verses 5 and 6. As I wrote down, first of all, God is our judge who brings recompense. God is our judge who brings recompense. Now remember Paul's writing and Silas and Timothy are helping him in this letter. And most likely they are the ones writing down the words as Paul is giving the words by mouth. And they're writing down the words by letter. And he, he shares how it's to these believers in Thessalonica and the Macedonian region or northern Greece. And he gives his extending greeting like he does always in verse number 2. And he expresses his gratitude for these believers. We talked about last week how we are called to be thankful. And now in verse number 5 it says, 
after he talked about their persecution and their patience and faith and tribulation that they endured, and he says in verse 5, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. As I read these two verses, I wrote down this thought. God is our judge who brings recompense. The word recompense, it literally means to repay. I like to summarize the word recompense as reaping what you have sowed. When I was in high school, I was introduced to guacamole. And I'm telling you, guacamole is holy. So if you really want to get right with God, you're going to eat guacamole for lunch today. And if you really want to get right with God and you don't like guacamole, you repent today and you'll come and bow down to this altar and confess to God your sins. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I was introduced to guacamole when I was in high school and, and I just loved avocados and guacamole ever since then. So I decided that even though we live in Virginia, I was going to harvest an avocado tree. So I got about three or five avocado seeds from the avocado. And if you had walked into my parents' house when I was in high school, you would have thought, crying, man, you'd have lost your mind again. What are you thinking? So I got these little cups, and I went on Google, and I, I, I typed in Google how, how to raise an avocado tree. And so it said, get a cup, get three toothpicks, and stab in there in the seed, and then put it into some water to where the water covers half of the avocado seed. And eventually the avocado seed is going to crack open, and you're going to see the sprout come forth. And so I'll never forget walking into the house the day after I got home from school and I saw the avocado seed, it cracked open. And I said to myself, hallelujah, I'm going to get some avocados in my backyard. <laughs> to my surprise, the sprout never came forth and I never got any avocados. So needless to say, I did not go into that kind of business of raising the agriculture of avocado trees. But I say that to say this, that when you sow an avocado tree, you're generally going to reap avocados through a tree, through a seed. And as we read 2 Thessalonians, we find that, that these people in the area that these Thessalonians lived were sowing persecution and sowing tribulation upon these believers. And God says that they will be recompensed by Him. And recompense, it literally means to repay. So just as you sow something and you reap it, he says that if you sow tribulation, if you sow trials, if you sow persecution to somebody, you're going to receive it in return. And that's exactly what's going on in these believers' lives. And, and hear me well today. If somebody sows tribulation in your life, if somebody sows persecution in your life for a child of God, let God recompense them. Don't try to repay them out of your own pocket because if you do, you're going to have a whole heap of messes and a whole giant anthill of problems it says it's interesting it says that God's judgment is righteous and it is God is the righteous judge and his judgment is always just now I know that the Bible talks about judging it talks about a few different times it says he that is spiritual discern it says judgeth all things and what that word judge means it means to discern the Bible says that we are called to judge righteously, not according to the appearance, that is the outward expression, but righteously. And then the Bible says, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, he says, judge not lest ye be, be judged. 
So in other words, Jesus is saying that if you judge somebody, you're going to receive that same judgment in return. And my message today is simply this, is that you and I are not the judge when we kick the bucket and stand before God. God is the judge, and we will all stand before him. And it's time that we recognize and realize that when we live our lives, if we're persecuted and we're tried for our faith, that God is the one who's going to repay those who are causing harm in your life. Whether you go to a university a secular university who does not believe that God created the world, as Genesis says. And you might receive persecution for your faith, especially if you try to stand for your faith. Whether you're working in the occupation and people are just making fun of you and scoffing you and ridiculing you because you're a man or a woman of faith, no matter what the situation is, whether you're overseas right now getting beheaded for your faith, God is the one who's going to repay those who've done harm into your life. So don't try to do it on your own. Let God take care of it. It's interesting. In verse number five, it says how they were counted worthy to go through this suffering. In the book of Acts, we find that in the first few chapters, the early church was persecuted. And the apostles said that we give God praise because he counted us worthy to suffer shame for his name. So if somebody does persecute you for your faith, thank God because he counted you worthy. Verse number six, it says, It is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. You know, we're all going to face troubles. And if you live long enough, people are going to cause you trouble in your life. And if you live long enough, you might cause trouble in somebody else's life as well. But let God take care of it. God is our judge. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. In verses 5 through 6, I wrote down the first thought today. God is our judge who bring recompense. But now I want to share with you from verses 7 through 9, secondly today. God is our judge who brings vengeance. God is our judge who brings vengeance. You see, recompense means to repay, but vengeance means to punish. How can God be a loving God if he's going to punish somebody? It's a question we get asked a lot. How can God be a loving God if he's going to sentence somebody eternity in hell? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible says that God, in Matthew chapter 25, you can go read it for yourself, that God prepared hell for the devil and his angels. Hell was never created for you and never created for me or any other person that lived before us or after us. God is... Wanting everybody to live in heaven with him. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why Jesus rose from the grave. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says that God loved the world so much that if we believe on him, we will not perish for all eternity, but have everlasting life. Look at verse number seven. It says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed, this word revealed means to be made manifest. So there's going to come a time when Jesus is going to be made manifest. He's going to come out of his glorious place called heaven. He's going to be seen on this earth. And we find that here it says, 
He's going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And then verse number 8. Now these are not my words, these are God's words. Okay, I want to stress this today. That this is not my opinion, this is the divine oracles of God. It says, in flaming fire. Would you say flaming fire with me on three? One, two, three. Flaming fire. These are not my words. Listen, church. This is not your words. This is the words of Almighty God. It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance. That means punishment. On them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. We come to verses 7, 8, and 9. We see that the doctrine of hell is manifest here. And listen, I do not preach hell. I do not preach damnation because it's something that I desire to do or that I am full of blessedness and happiness about. I preach hell because it is found in the word of God. I preach damnation because it is found in the word of God. And Jesus spoke about hell. The apostle Paul spoke about hell. John the, Revela the revelator spoke about hell. And, and the entire New Testament and Old Testament speaks about the doctrine of hell. And the Bible says here that Jesus is going to come and he will return. He came the first time as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger and riding on a donkey into uh, Jerusalem as Bringing peace, but he comes again with a rod of judgment in his hand. And in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Verse number 9, you see, now when you get into the doctrine of hell, you're going to understand that there's a few different theories about hell. There's some that are just going to say, well, hell doesn't exist. Everybody's going to go to heaven, and so let's hoop and holler and, and shout hallelujah, because we're all going to heaven. Well, the Bible speaks differently than that. Then there's going to be some that are going to say that, well, there is a place called hell, but it's a place of annihilation. That is that you're going to go to hell and you're going to burn up and cease to exist. But verse number nine speaks otherwise. It says, who shall be punished? Same idea as vengeance. With everlasting destruction. You see, if somebody can have everlasting life, the other person can have everlasting death. And so here it says everlasting. This means eternal. This means forever and ever and ever and ever without a beginning, without an ending. And then it says destruction. So in, keep in mind the, in, the entire context, it says that this destruction is going to last forever and ever without an end. And so here imagine a crane coming and just plowing this building over and over and over again and being destroyed forever. That's the idea here. That hell is a place where somebody will spend eternal eternity in, in torments and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. God is our judge who brings vengeance. All those who decide not to obey the gospel, now understand this is not re re revealing a works-based salvation. The gospel is that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. And all those who put their faith and trust in him will receive life and it more abundantly. And here it says, all those who do not obey that message of receiving Christ as Savior will receive the vengeance and wrath of Almighty God. It says, from the presence of the Lord. Now I, now, I know that we talk about hell a lot. 
Well, in fact, in modern Christianity, it's one of the least talked about subjects from the pulpit, from the Sunday school classroom or the small group class or whatever you want to call it. It's not talked about much. But, but I'll tell you something. If you just go to your BibleGateway.com and type in hell, and you'll find that it comes many times throughout the Old and New Testament. So go study it for yourself. But the worst part about hell is not that it's going to be so hot, not that it's going to be a place of eternal torments, but it's going to be a place where you'll be forever separated from the presence of Almighty God. I don't know about you, but I want to be in God's presence for all eternity, not separated from Him. Can you imagine all the craziness going on in our world today and God's presence is with us right now, right here, and He's holding it all together. But without God holding it all together, just imagine what the lake of fire will be like. You see, this letter was about the coming judgment of God and about the eschatology or about Bible prophecy, about end times. And here Paul is setting the record straight that God is the one who's going to be the judge. He's going to recompense those who've done evil to you. And he's going to offer vengeance to those who do not receive his message. God has done everything within his power, with his capability, so that people could come to know him as Savior. And now it's time, if you've never accepted that message, to do it before it's eternally too late. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. God is our judge who brings recompense. God is our judge who brings vengeance. But now let me share with you thirdly from verse number 10. God is our judge who deserves reverence. God is our judge who deserves reverence. In June 2011, I was ordained and licensed to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what that means is that when I sign my name, I can sign it as Reverend Brian Wayne Ratliff. That is, when somebody comes to me, they can say Reverend Ratliff. It even alliterates. So the two R's, kind of neat. <laughs> Take it or leave it. <laughs> Just leave it. Nonetheless, I do not like to be called Reverend. And I've shared this many times before. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that holy and reverend is his name. There's nothing in me that deserves reverence. Nothing in my mortal flesh, nothing in my mind, nothing from the bottom of my soles of my feet to the top of my crown. There's nothing in me that deserves any kind of reverence. The only thing that's worth reverencing in my life is Jesus Christ. The only thing that's worth reverencing in your life is Jesus Christ. The only thing worth reverencing today in our world is Almighty God. And check it out. Look at verse 10. It says, when he shall come. And listen, he is coming again. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, I'm going to come back and receive you into myself that where I may be, you may be also. Jesus is coming again, whether Hollywood or anybody else doesn't want to believe it. He says, when he shall come to be glorified in the saints. To be glorified, it means to lift up somebody high and exalt him above all else. He is the one that we glorify today. Not you, not me, not anybody else. God is the one worth glorifying and him alone. It says, and to be admired. Now listen, you can give somebody glory. You can give somebody, uh, you can admire somebody. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to remind us all that God deserves glory and God deserves to be admired. It says, to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now this word, this phrase, in that day, 
It goes back into the Old Testament and refers to the time when Jehovah is going to make his day of reckoning here on this earth. And it coincides with the day of Christ, when Christ will come and plant his foot on the Mount of Olives and establish his earthly kingdom. God is our judge who deserves reverence. I would like to close out my sermon by taking you to Revelation chapter 20. Would you turn there with me? I really want you to see this. Revelation chapter 20, the very last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 20 discusses the millennial reign of Christ. And why do I believe there will be a literal, physical, thousand-year reign of Christ here on this earth? <laughs> because the Old Testament talks about it. And John, when he was writing in Revelation chapter 20, affirmed it multiple times, speaking literally of a thousand-year reign of Christ. But in verse number 12, or excuse me, verse number 11, verse 11 through the last verse of the chapter, verse 15, speaks of, of, of a very important day and a very sobering day. And I just want to read it to you. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. One preacher said it like this. If you're born once, you'll die twice. But if you're born twice, you'll die once. That is, if you're born again by the Spirit of God, you'll never have to experience the second death. But if you reject being born again, you'll have to experience the second death. So my question for closing out the sermon is simply this. Which judgment will you stand at when you give up the ghost before God? Will it be the judgment seat of Christ or will it be the great white throne judgment? God is our judge. He deserves our reverence. He will bring vengeance and he will bring recompense. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.